Welcome to the August 2023 edition of the Inside Nutley Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Greco, and today I'm pleased to be joined by one of Nutley Township's most admired residents, Anthony Iannarone. Anthony has served as a Nutley Library trustee for 50 years and is currently in his 36th year as Library Board President. His unprecedented service to the Township of Nutley, he has served longer than anyone in the history of Nutley as a member of any official municipal board, elected or appointed, speaks to his enduring commitment to the success of the library and the town. Now in his 10th full term, he has been appointed by seven different mayors. It's our honor to welcome Anthony Iannarone. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. We're doing this interview today sitting above the recently named Anthony Iannarone Children's Room at the Nutley Public Library. What's that mean to you? Well, it means everything. It's, uh, and, and I'm very proud of it. And at the uh, other end, I feel very you know, humility that they thought to do that, which I'm, I'm very happy for it, certainly. Your love for the library is, is really quite incredible. Where does that come from? Well, I always was um, an inveterate reader, as even as a little boy. I can remember my mother's voice calling from upstairs, come to bed, and the answer, one more chapter, Ma, and I would just read and read. I remember my, uh, my freshman year in high school, I read 110 novels in one year, so... Uh, so I always loved books. Oh, you 110 novels? Yeah, in one year. The next year I only read 62, but that included Leibniz and Robbins, which was 1,427 pages, and uh, David Copperfield and a few other long ones. So, Did you ever count how many books you read in your life? Um, I, When I was younger, I kept a book of all the books I read. I know I was up over 600, and that was when I was still in high school. So. Do you still read a lot today? Um, I try to read a book a week. I average about that. That's amazing. Being an avid reader myself, I tend to find myself reading at least three books at once at the same time. Um, and I've been doing that for a long time, but you know, years ago, I realized that my bookshelf was getting overwhelmed with all the books I was reading, so I switched over to a Kindle. What about you? Um, yeah, I've never gone to the electronic. I like to hold a book. Uh, I probably have about 3,000 of them home. I have bookcases everywhere from floor to ceiling, uh, all over the place. I have a, a ton of science fiction books, a lot of those. Did you pass on your love of reading to your children? Um, well, my, yeah, to a certain extent. I, I think they all like to read. But they may be a question of how much time they have. You've dedicated over half your life to this library. What moved you to get involved to that extent? Well, I don't know as I moved. It was uh, it was actually a favor to Carmen Arecchio, believe it or not. We were back in 1972. Uh, I had gotten close to Carmen. He ran for office first in 1968. And while I didn't have the title, I was really his campaign manager. So he uh, had an opening. At this point, he was mayor. And he had an opening on the library board. And he had a couple of applicants. Now, Carmen was a very well-known Democrat. He was president of the Senate, acting governor, president. He was a senator for 18 years, I think. Um, and he had two applicants that, you know, while I say he was a Democrat, he had very conservative principles. And he didn't like them at all. So he asked me if I would do it on the basis it was only going to be an hour a month, so yeah, right? Uh, so that's how I got started. 
And I can tell you it was a different world in those days. Um, the mayors used to come to the meetings. The uh, superintendent of schools would uh, uh, be very active, not have delegates. No women, all men, all in suits and ties, very formal. And uh, thank God it's changed now. We have about half and half. So it's, it's, it's for the better, I think. Throughout your long tenure as president of the library, you've launched numerous projects that have established the library as a dynamic cultural center. Tell us about that. That's one of the things I'm proud of is that when, we, when I started here, we were a repository of books. We had about 120,000 books jammed in every corner, plus maybe 1,000 long playing records. That was it. As opposed to today where there's such a variety of books, CDs, videos, uh, you name it, ebooks, all kinds of things that you can have. Um, cultural programs all the time, music programs, movies, various types. We uh, start the Friends of the Library. They have trips to musicals in New York uh, and other, other places. So it's really uh, fulfilling its purpose, you know, being more than a, a warehouse for books. What has allowed you to tackle each year as president with such enthusiasm and ambition all these years? I guess it's my nature. Um, it's a funny thing with volunteers. Some people think that because you're a volunteer, they can do a sloppy job. Well, if you're going to do a sloppy job, please don't volunteer. I mean, if you take it on, then do it right. And I guess that's, that's my character. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. So. It seems you have a lot of old school values that uh, aren't necessarily around anymore. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's, it's, not the, uh, it's not the same country I was raised in, that's for sure. I mean, when I was in grammar school in Belleville, we started every day, it would be hard for people to believe this now, but we started with roll call, which was followed by the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, which was followed by the Lord's Prayer, which was followed by a reading from the Bible, which you could choose, a different student every day, you pick whoever you wanted, and that's what we did every day to start the day. Was it a bad thing? Many people would think so today, but I think it was a pretty good thing. We learned a lot of tolerance and uh, we got along pretty well. Okay, let's take a step back. Uh, where were you born? Yeah, I was born in Newark and I lived there until I was not quite seven. I moved uh, into Belleville at that point and got skipped from the second half of first grade into second grade and uh, continued all through school in Belleville. Uh, through college, through law school, and through a few early years of marriage before I moved to Melbourne. After high school, you attended Rutgers, where your life changed drastically. Do you mind talking about that? Not at all. It's a oh, part of my life. Well, it was a uh, day in early May, and we were in chemistry lab, and we had finished our work for the day, and there were a bunch of 18, 19-year-old kids sitting around in a chemistry lab full of chemicals with nothing to do. And the professor was out of the room. And the kid who usually was there making flares uh, wasn't there that day. And I was the one making them. And it blew up and it resulted in this. So uh, it was uh, a restart. In a way, you know, you can do those things looking forward. You can do them looking back. I don't look back too much. Uh, one of my uh, favorite saying is, when you look at the past glance, don't stare. 
But uh, looking back at it, it was uh, actually a pretty lucky time, if you think about it. I was 18 years old. I had played my sports, and I was young enough to get into, uh, uh, you know, something where I could handle it. I mean, imagine if you were a watchmaker and something like this happened to you when you were 45, then what do you do? So now you have a choice. You know, you're going to be a victor or you're going to be a victim. So I got hurt in May, uh, spent the whole summer in the hospital. And in September, they sent me back to school on a wing and a prayer. Uh, I had a complicated operation and a different kind of prosthesis then. And I had one working unit um, and off I went. Fortunately, I had uh, good kids in the dormitory who helped me out. And I graduated on time and managed to be a Phi Beta Kappa and president of senior class. So I guess I didn't do too bad. And a full scholarship to law school on top of it. But you're 18. I just can't, I just can't comprehend uh, rebounding from something like that. That's, that's truly amazing. One of the mistakes uh, people make who are different is they expect the world to conform to them. I'm the one who's different. I have to conform to the world. Now, for example, simple things. I don't know if you're really interested in this stuff. Oh, oh but, sure. Uh, sure. So you're at a party, and you're meeting people you don't know. They're looking up here. They're not looking down here. So you put out your hand, and they touch it. They're going to jump back. Now, what have you done? You've made them uncomfortable. So how do you make them comfortable? Before you shake hands, you adjust your glasses. Now they see you have an artificial hand. They don't know whether to shake hands or not. So you have to tell them. Now they grab you here, they grab, doesn't make any difference. I've made them comfortable. I didn't make them uncomfortable. You also learn the lesson, laugh in the world laughs with you, cry and you cry alone. So there I was in the hospital, people coming in, sour-faced, you know, and I pepped them up. Now what's the difference? We could, we could sit there together and cry and moan and, you know, then what happens? They go down and get a flat tire. And they forget all about you. Now, you pep them up and they go down and say, gee, what am I complaining about? He's not complaining. I shouldn't complain. whole different way of looking at it. So I think I, I was pretty successful in life, I think. I mean, I can tell you one interesting story, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it came to uh, time to take the bar exam. In those days, it was 40 essay questions over two days, six and a half hours a day, and no ballpoint pens, which were fairly new. You had to use a fountain pen. So I had to write for six and a half hours a day for two days. Um, and the bar exam, of course, you're, you're just a number. They don't know whose paper is whose. Now, the usual rule is if you had a very bad handwriting, they wouldn't read the paper. But since they knew I was taking the exam, they read every paper, no matter how bad the handwriting was. And when they broke the code, I not only had one of the better handwritings, but I had the highest mark on the exam. So that worked out pretty well for me. Wow, that's an amazing story. Was anybody else hurt in the accident? No. No, I, I, was, I was holding it and I got it. That's just truly amazing. Were you always interested in law as a career? No, not really. I, uh, I had gotten in, it's another serendipitous event. Um, I had a friend named Harold Packer, and I was at the train station for the weekend, and I ran into Harold who lived in Passaic. Later, he became a lawyer and had triplets. <laughs> so, old Harold, 
But he told me about this Ruth Tilden scholarship at NYU. And he couldn't, he had sent for the papers. He couldn't use them because he was only a junior. Of course, I was a senior. And I, I wrote for the papers, never got them. So I got the uh, papers from him and applied and ended up getting the scholarship. There were 20 given in the country, two from each judicial circuit. So I was one of the two from the combined states of New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. And uh, that started me on my way. Are you glad you chose that career? Well, it was a good career for me. I mean, uh, you know, I never used uh, being handicapped as an excuse. I, I did good work. and. Uh, I think I was pretty successful. When did you start working at Roach? Um, March 6, 1970. Tell us about your time there. Well, um, I came actually from, uh, I worked in a law firm for seven years, and then uh, we did work for Napco Chemical Company, and they particularly asked if I would go over there as assistant general counsel. So I did. And in the course of that, I was uh, working on a master's degree at NYU Law School. I have two degrees. I have a Juris Doctor and a Master's Laws in Trade Regulations. And one of my classmates was uh, chief attorney at Roche. And when they had an opening, he, you know, I had lent him my notes and stuff. Uh, so I, I moved to Roche. It was like a different world in those days. Roche was. I mean, on a spring day, people were out there bearded and mustache, which wasn't allowed most places. But we were talking about a long time ago. 1970, views were different on those things. Uh, like Carmen Arecchio was police commissioner. Police couldn't even have a mustache. It wasn't allowed. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful place to work. I mean, old families were there. And over the years, I moved uh, you know, to different from attorney to senior attorney to group attorney, and ended up as um, associate vice president and associate general counsel and assistant secretary. So I did pretty well at Roche. I had a good career there, a lot of friends, and did a lot of good things. I became a national expert on uh, vitamin regulations. We were at the time the biggest bulk of manufactured vitamins in the world. So, What was it about Nutley that made you want to move here in 1959 and raise your family? Well, at the time, um, I, uh, I was working in Newark, so I didn't want to get too far off, and living in Belleville. Uh, we had two little children, and Nutley you know, presented itself as a decent home, which I still live in. And the, um, it was a little step up from Belleville, I felt. Nutley always had a good reputation, um, and I was well justified in that. Moved in, had good neighbors and good schools, and everything went well for me. So very happy I made that move. Did you become involved with township activities immediately? Um, no, not really. I uh, I moved here in 1959, and I guess my first things when my boys got old enough for little leagues, I was a co-coach farm league in the American Little League for. I think five years. Later, I was a coach in the uh, miniature basketball league for four years. In fact, I wrote all the rules for them. That was something I was very proud of because it was an all boys league then. And I wrote the rules without using any male pronouns. 
So they were perfectly usable for the girls. I think they stopped using them after a while, but they're pretty good rules. Your record of volunteerism is beyond reproach. I've never seen anything like it. What has inspired you all this time to become so active in all these organizations? 50 years with the library. Um, I'm a founding member of the Matia Committee. And I've been over 50 years there. Uh, I incorporated them. I got their uh, IRS clearance. I did the same for the Friends of the Library. I'm a founding member of that. I'm a founding member of the Hall of Fame Committee. I was counsel to the auxiliary police for 30 years. I was a trustee of the Family Service Board for six years. And um, I was actually uh, a member of the Clifton Economic Development Commission for 25 years. I was the chairman for over five years. That was through Rose. And there are a whole bunch of other stuff. But we should be busy. But all that volunteerism, uh, was that passed down from your parents or did you come about it on your own? No, it's, it was pretty much on my own. Once, once you get started in Nutley, um, you know, volunteers, they become harder to come by over the years. I mean, you don't, you don't get so many. You see the same old faces getting a year older. Um, but once you are in the organization and you do a good job, the word seems to get around and people seek you out. Um, the Matia Committee, I think, is interesting because that's, that's a big tie-in with my relationship with the Arecchio family. Um, when Dr. Mattia died in 1971, July 4th, I believe was the date, um, about a year later, Frank Arecchio, who was the owner of the paper, wanted to do something to remember him. And uh, so we started the Mattia Committee in the early days with full cooperation of Roche. We had our lunches there when we met. And that committee was myself, Frank Arecchio, Carl Arecchio, Carmen Arecchio, Sal DiMicino, the uh, chief of police, Elsie Sacconi, who I think was the principal of Washington School, uh, John Kelly, who was the president of the bank, Joe Riley, who was uh, the tax assessor, Paddington Dolo, who was head of code enforcement, and a few other people. And uh, we, we started it, uh, and it's still going, it's still very successful. So, uh, you know, I had good years with them. Seems and, you're the last man standing over that call. I'm the last man, yeah. I'm the only one who's been to every dinner. And uh, the original committee, I'm in. Is the word no in your vocabulary? Um, eh, I'm not a naysayer. <laughs> it's in my nature, as I say. Uh, um, and then once I'm in, I, I, I tend without even meeting to pretty soon, even though I'm not the chairman, I'm kind of running it, if you know what I mean. I got that impression, yes. Well, well, God gave me a pretty good brain. And, uh, thank God I still have it. Has there ever been a time where you found it hard to get motivated to continue to doing all this? Not really. I think uh, in the later years, I mean, I, I realize it's time. Uh, for example, uh, in the library. Now, I could have stayed on. I mean, I did 10 full terms and a part term. I could have stayed on until I dropped dead. But then they're on their own. This way, I'm here. I still sit in on the telephone meetings. I'm here if, the, you know, if they have questions. or and I, I think I've been helpful. 
as I, uh, we didn't get into some of the library stuff, but we, we've been recently into many renovations and um, it didn't all com get completed while I was there, but it all got started. So we just completely replaced the skylights, repaired the leaky roof, we upgraded both restrooms. Uh, we have a completely new air conditioning system, which we're now enjoying, and it's completely replaced. Um, we got $284,000 grant from the state to help us with that. Um, and um, we have a brand new elevator. where We got a grant from the county for up to $65,000. We're getting some new carpeting, and uh, so everything's going to be in really, really good condition. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about things in the library. Um, one of the things I'd like to acknowledge is the support of the commissioners. That's very, very important. There's got to be mutual trust. Um, and that comes about through experience. I mean, I think they trusted me to be honest with them. And I was always honest with them. Um, and to, to work with them on, on these. Uh, generally, uh, in 1986, uh, Mayor Chenoweth came to me. I was then, I was then the vice president. I became president later in 1986. And he said, if you're ever going to expand the library, this is the time to do it. So uh, we got that done, but we didn't get that done without cooperation of the commissioners. So where did we go from there? In addition to the expansion, we started the Friends of the Library. They raised over $100,000. Subsequently, we expanded to complete computerization, which is, you know, the evolutionary thing with libraries. We joined the Buffalo's library system, which is now about, I think it's 77 libraries. In other words, you could take your library card from Nutley, you could go into Bloomfield, you could go into Livingston, you could go into Montclair, Glen Ridge, and a whole bunch of others, and they'll honor it. If you don't want to go there, we get the books for you from those libraries. So you have access to over 5 billion books, actually. And, um, you know, it's, it's a well-used service. Um, other things we did, I'm very proud of the piano we got, which is the Studio Grand uh, Steinway. Uh, we paid $16,000 for it used. Most of that is money I got from Roche. As an officer, I used to get a few thousand dollars a year, which we saved up. Uh, I'm proud of the book funds we started. I started that, and we reached my goal before I left of over $500,000. We have that money in CDs. We take 80% of the interest each year, leave 20% in to protect against inflation and grow the fund, and uh, then we buy books. And it's a very nice thing when uh, I pick up a book every once in a while, and there's a very pretty nameplate with my wife's name and my name in it. And that makes me feel very good. Um, it's, it's grown. We probably have over 30 funds now. Biggest one is uh, Tom Evans. His wife, unfortunately, died a lovely lady at 45. And uh, his fund is over $90,000. Um, so mine is probably fourth. I think I have over 30,000. I mean, but, uh, that's another thing we did. Of course, all the expansion of the of the uh, materials that we have for you. Um, there's some rules. I often reminded the trustees, your trustees, you're not librarians. 
you don't run the library. The director runs the library. Okay? And, you know, we're here to do the budgets and the facility changes. Uh, we found out in the late 1980s when we were doing the expansion that the name of the uh, library dean was in the name of the trustees, which was illegal. <laughs> so, so I got it transferred over. So the town actually owns the building, but we're kind of responsible for it. And, you know, uh, in really big projects, the commissioners have helped us, like with the HVAC and the uh, uh, skylights. Uh, but we, we contributed to that. We, we paid for the restrooms and other things. So it's a good working relationship. And there are other things that, number one, we're, we're not a repository of books. We're a cultural center. Not another one that I always uh, went on was we're not an island. We're an integral part of the community. As a result, we do outreach with the schools. Uh, we host the annual Rotary Club dinner for new teachers. We host the uh, Hall of Fame inductions and other programs uh, with the town. It's a good, good location for it. Uh, I still would like to do another expansion. We actually have uh, uh, drawings for it, not, not the full plans. And it would uh, you know, give us a really big meeting room and some smaller ones, other things to use. So a lot of progress over the years, a lot I'm proud of. I'm happy for. I'm happy that uh, the good people taking over. We have a terrific uh, director, and uh, he's doing a fine job. Staff is very good, and uh, yeah, we don't get too many complaints. Thank God. I like to get your feelings on uh, what's going on, or what's one of the many hot topics in our country today about uh, uh, it's it's kind of a political hot button, uh, whether it's left or right. It seems that both parties have some kind of say about banning books or what should be in a library, what should be in the schools. Uh, I'm interested to hear what your take is on that. Well, yeah, some of them are actually, uh, you know, border on pornography. And I don't know, is there suitable for children? But as I've said before, we're trustees, not librarians. We leave that to the judgment of our librarians. We're very experienced. They know the town, they know the town's likes and dislikes. Uh, I suggested to them that, not that they don't have the books, but that they uh, might want to keep them, some of them behind the desk, and if they're asked for, people can have them. Um, we don't, we don't, uh, we've had very few issues over the years. Many years ago, we had an issue with some sexually oriented books because we kept them in a locked cabinet. So people did complain to some extent about that. But the reason we did it is because they were being stolen, not because we were censoring them. So we were just protecting the books. But uh, we had very few issues here over the years. I mean, very, very rarely has anyone had a problem. And I, I, as I say, I never, I never told them what books to buy. That's up to them. They're professionals. I'm not. Uh, it's not my place to do that. Outside of the library, what are some of your other accomplishments that you're most proud of? Well, I guess my years at Roche, I made a lot of friends. Um, I used to go to all the club dinners, which none of the other officers did. So I'd go to 10, 12 of them a year. 
and I got to know the people who worked in the factories. And it was always my nature to uh, engage people at all levels. And as I said, I've talked to governors, I can talk to little kids, um, you can adjust yourself. Frankly, I prefer the little kids. And another reason I am so happy about the children's room being named for me is I think that was always my favorite thing, to stand there and watch these little three-year-olds three with these little hand-holding things, and they're so serious and working away at it. I mean, it just gives me such pleasure to watch that. I love little kids. And even doing the Hall of Fame ceremonies, how many of these now very, very accomplished people talk about their years in high school when they used to come to the library. And it's uh, memories I'd love these kids to keep as they get older. And they had a good time here. And think about it. I mean, people are struggling today. It's expensive to go out. But a mother wants to get out of the house a little bit and take the kids here. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of programs for them, games they can play, things they can do. doesn't cost them anything. Um, in many ways, the town does a lot for your tax dollar. But a lot of it is a little bit obscure, if you know what I mean. I mean, the police are protecting you, and you're not watching everything they do. The, the firemen are protecting you, but you don't see them every minute. But you can come into the library and you can walk out with an arm full of books and CDs and videos. And sure, it costs you something out of your tax dollars. Nothing is free. But you're not paying any extra for it either. And, uh, you know, to the extent you want to use it, it's here. You're welcome to it. You're welcome here. You're treated well. And, you know, I'm proud of all that. I, I think I had something to do with it. Not necessarily the bricks and mortar. Sure, we did that. But in a, a general approach to, to being part of the town, serving your patrons well, using your tax dollars wisely and efficiently so that you get the most for it. I mean, all these things, I think, is, is uh, it, it creates an ethos. It creates a culture that, that is a positive one, that people appreciate, that people enjoy. And that gives me joy and always inspired me to do the best I could make it even better because you're never perfect how has living in nutley impacted you it's uh in a big way i mean one thinks about it i mean look at all the activities i got involved in and might not have elsewhere my kids went to uh, very good schools they all uh have at least two degrees and one has three um so my my family were raised in a healthful uh, environment that uh, led them to be successful in life. Um, I had happy years here, with my family, my late wife. Um, it was, yeah, it had a real positive impact. You're obviously an omnipresent figure here in Nutley. What changes have you seen, positive and negative, over your six decades in the town? I think the town overall has uh, It's changing times. I think the nature of the population is changing somewhat. But uh, most of those people, I think, are being well integrated. Um, I hear some complaints that uh, trouble me a little bit. I mean, uh, this divisiveness is, is not a good thing. I mean, we're one country, we're one people, and we should look at it that way. 
anyway, you know, I, I, I like to judge people, as our good friend Martin Luther King said, by the content of their character. Okay, here's the part of the show where we kind of do a word association. I'll throw out a word or a series of words, and uh, you tell me what comes to mind. Okay? Sure. Let's start with on three, the former Roach property. Well, it's a great opportunity. So I, I think it's, I'm, I'm looking at it very positively. I can remember in 1995, I think it was, no, no, it was before 1985, I think they had their first reduction in force, um, which was called Operation Turnabout. And my good friend at Roche called it Operation Throw em Out, but that was a different thing. But anyway, I can remember the two of us sitting there saying, and I, I remember saying to him very clearly, Dave, the very sad part of this is we sit here someday and say these were the good old days. <laughs> we were in the midst of both downsides. And that's the way it turned out. I was very disappointed when they left. The Nutley Hall of Fame. I think it's a great thing. And uh, I'm very proud to have been inducted. It's, it's a bit of revelation that the people, the great people we have in Nutley that people don't know about. And be a, we, we talked even about having some of the members have an auditorium session in the high school um, because there are a lot of people you'd be really proud of. I mean, look look at what Martha Stewart has done with her life and so many others, scientists, doctors. I mean, it's just incredible. Actors, uh, set designers, writers. I mean, just, just a whole panoply of great people. And, and it's still going. They're going to have it a little later this year, but they're, they're going to have it. So we'll see what comes up. Thank you, Anthony Iannarone, for doing our show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you here above the Anthony Iannarone Children's Room at the Nutley Public Library. We appreciate it. I think it's been interesting. I've enjoyed it. Um, I hope I haven't uh, bored people and talked too much. But, uh, I mean, there's, you know, it's a lifetime of experiences. You can go on forever. And thank God my memory is pretty good and still functioning that way pretty well. And on behalf of Nutley... Allow me to thank you for everything you've done over the last six decades. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. The good people of Nutley who do watch this, I, I hope I have had some, something interesting to say. And let me thank again the uh, commissioners. Uh, Mayor Scarpelli really, I think, was the inspirational uh, drive behind naming the children's room for me. And I really do very much appreciate that. That's, you know, uh, after all those years, it was nice to be remembered in that way. It is, I do have, I mean, that is the only record for official boards. Um, I know that Chenoweth and Carmen Arecchio were commissioners for 40 years. I know some other people who were on official boards for a long time. But I think I have the record. And I'm pretty proud of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I wish I could live to 150, I'd still be going. Thank you.